This podcast is brought to you by GG Poker. GG Poker won huge tournaments and hold the Guinness World Record for the largest prize pool for an online poker tournament. As the world's biggest online poker room, GG Poker are making poker fun again. GG Poker offers exciting game formats and software features that aren't available anywhere else. So why play anywhere else? Plus, if you're new to GG Poker, get £60 free play when you make your first deposit of £10 or more. Players must be 18 plus. Full terms and conditions apply. Please see ggpoker.co.uk for details. BeGambleAware.org. Please play responsibly. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This week on the Marketers Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. My name's Paul John Dykes and I'm joined by John Paul Mason, PJ and JP. It's Thursday and it's been a quick week. JP, it doesn't seem that long since I last spoke to you, uh, but we're in buoyant mood. Celtic are clicking into place. I mean, the tagline says it all. From swashbuckling to total control, are we seeing the two sides of Angie's Celtic? Well, we had a wee chat before we came on there, and I think a big part of the the two sides of Celtic last night was down to uh, the involvement and otherwise of Tommy Rogic. I mean, he was inspired prior to being forced off, injured JP, and we'll talk about that and the wider issue 
around some of the treatment of our players. But let's just take a wee moment uh, to talk about Tommy Rogic first and foremost. What a performance last night. Aye, really great. Um, I got a few texts throughout the game just going, how good is Rogic in this game? And, you know, I couldn't disagree with it. I mean, it was not that I would want to disagree with it because this is a guy that's, that's done so much for Celtic over the last however many, what, six, seven scenes. I know he's been missing in action. I know he was nearly out the door. Um, but everybody, I mean, he's only, what, he's got to be like 28 or something like that. 28 years of age. Yeah. I mean, I think everybody, you know, when he was linked, you know, you saw people started posting tributes to him leaving. Um, yeah. Uh, when when it was when it was kind of widely expected that he was going, and I was seeing loads of people saying thanks for the memories and posting up, you know, the video from from Hamden and everything else. But you know, it went kind of beyond that as well. I think people really appreciated what he'd what he'd done. If you're talking about testimonials, he's he's heading for one of them, and and you know, people. The thing is. We joked about Neil Beaton getting a testimonial, which does seem a little bit farcical given his contribution over over the time. But you know, if Rogic was to get close to that, I think I think you would find that that would be something that would be really well received by the, the fans because he's now he's now this is such an important season for Celtic, and if Tom Rogic continues to turn up this season, then he will go down, you know, and possibly even greater than than that goal in the final because you know. Everybody wants to win the league back this season because it's the first time we've been in this situation where we've all enjoyed such sustained success for so long, mm-hmm. and suddenly we we got completely and utterly, you know, bounced out, and it was over by March. Do you know, like it was a, an alien concept. So if he does turn up and continues to turn up this season, you know, God willing, no injuries and all the rest of it, then you know his importance can't be underestimated. You know, like yourself, um, I was looking at Tom Rogic earlier on today before coming on. He's a player that I've always, always enjoyed. But it was a year ago, it was actually in September last year, that he was reported to be signing for a Quattari club, unnamed club, for £3.5 million. And at that time, like you say, everybody's looking back on the great moments. I mean, you talk about that... uh, the goal against Aberdeen in the cup final and uh, the goal against Kilmarnock always comes to mind as well. Rangers, Ibrox, Rangers, Ibrox. I mean, he's a wizard. He's an absolute wizard. But at that time, I don't think everybody would have been glad that he was going, but it was almost like, you know, thanks for the memories, Tommy. Maybe it's the best time for both parties for you to move on. And I didn't think at that point that we were going to get a, a resurgence, a resurrection, a Tommy Rogic. When Ange Postecoglou came in, it was obvious that people were going to point to the fact that he had worked with Tom Rogic and the international team. We spoke about some players that might be revitalised. As it happens, a few of them, and we'll talk about at least another one of them, have been. One of them was, was Ryan Christie, by the way. I mean, the performances we've seen under Postecoglou of Ryan Christie um, left me a wee bit bitter when he finally left because I thought he, he would have fitted in with Angie's game plan. But Tom Rogic, for me, has been one of the biggest surprises along with Anthony Ralston. Now, you're talking about testimonials, right? Um, he signed in January coming nine years ago for Celtic. Right. Wow. Right? Okay. Right? So we've got... Yeah, okay. That's incredible, eh? And obviously during that time, he's been loaned out. We loaned him out 
back to Australia so that he could get himself back in the shop window for, I think it was the World Cup at that time. Um, he is only 28, like you said, and I just felt that last night we were, we were seeing him um, developing into probably his best performance of the season, but he was basically kicked off the park. Now, I've written down three occasions where he took heavy, heavy tackles. I think at least two of them was from uh, Gogic, maybe three of them, to the point where he's had to go off after 44 minutes, but he was winning really important free kicks in dangerous areas of the park. Um, now, so we're talking about Tommy Rogic being at his best, and I think he is coming to that stage now. We might see a Tommy Rogic that's even going to eclipse that moment, and I never thought I'd say that, that moment with the, the thunder and the rain and, and the lightning at Hamden Park. But I think the bigger thing with regards to that is when Rogic came off, We've seen a, a different style. Now, in the first half, and as I was saying there, swashbuckling kind of style, that was the kind of Ange style that we've seen against, you know, Dundee when we were winning 6 nothing. Uh, maybe for half an hour against uh, Betis away from home, JP, where we, we storm into a lead. And we saw that at Easter Road last night. Now, the game plan was, was uh, hampered somewhat by Roderick having to go off. But what we then seen was the second um, style that Ange can deploy. We've seen it against Aberdeen and Motherwell. We've seen it against Ferenc Varos. Total control. And and I think we've seen both sides of Ange Postacoglu last night. Yeah, I think so. And I think it was, it was so long overdue doing that to, to Hibs at Easter Road. Do you know? Like, can you believe this way back in 2014 was the last the last victory in the league. And you think of, you know, the Brendan Rodgers team. Now, I, I was thinking about that and I thought, wait a minute, were Hibs not out of the league? Hibs were out of the league for a period. Am I wrong in that in saying that? Well, I remember the game where Neil Lennon brought his Hibs side to Celtic Park um, after they had been promoted. Because oh, yes. Yeah. And uh, he got a really good reception from the Celtic fans and Rodgers mm. kind of ushered them on to take the applause from the Celtic fans. Yeah. And we failed to beat Hibs in our two home games in the league that season as well. Mm, mm. And it, it's led to an awful lot of, I mean, I've got quite a lot of Hibs supporting friends and they've been crowing about this, you know, hoodoo that they've had over Celtic. And I've been to Easter Road a bunch of times and I remember going there when we were, if we'd won the game, we would win the league and we drew 0-0. I think we were wearing the pink strip, mm-hmm. if I remember rightly. You know, all ready for a party, you know, I don't think I've ever seen us win the league at an away ground. I've never experienced that. So I was so psyched for that moment and then nil-nil against Hibs and then obviously, you know, it was draws last season and they've beaten us as well. So to, to go and see in the first 15, 20 minutes us absolutely put our foot on their throats, and I got it right this time, um, uh, was, uh, was was brilliant to watch. You know, it was just, it was just like this sustained pressure that they couldn't cope with. You, you know, n- even the most, you know, rabid Hibs fan would have to hold their hands up and go, looking at that first 15, 20 minutes, we're going to get absolutely battered here because it was just coming at them from every single possible pocket of the pitch. And Rogic was, you know, at the, at the forefront of that. And, and then you've got, you know, Jota doing that wee back heel, which was total filth. You know where he drags it and then flicks it. I mean, <laughs> this filth. I've watched that about ten times. Um, I've also watched the uh, 
the, the Rangers penalty about 10 times as well, trying to dissect that, but more on that later, I'm sure. But no, um, it was just great to watch last night. Um, wish I'd been there to see it, having experienced the draws and, and a couple of defeats. But uh, yet again, Easter Road, not full. And, you know, the Celtic end was full, but the Hibs ends, the Hibs stands weren't. And you're just, you're just scratching your head going, how can somebody not, you know, <laughs> factor that into this situation and, you know, make your club more money. You know, you, you've got, there were, again, there would have been guys last night and girls standing outside, money in the air, saying, yep. here's money. Take my money. If you don't want it, okay, you'll have empty seats. And maybe I'm being naive and maybe there's something, there's a factor. I don't think it's COVID. Maybe it's to do with the the way out of the ground or something like that. But I would love to speak to somebody at Hibs Ticket and to be like, how could you not, how could you not factor Celtic fans into that ground last night? Or is it simply because you don't want to, because you don't want us to have some sort of numerical advantage or whatever? But as I've argued before, that didn't work at Livingston because they beat us. So, you know, it shouldn't really matter. It creates a better atmosphere. A game like that was not on the TV last night. It should be absolutely rammed. There shouldn't be a, shouldn't be able to get a ticket for that game last night. I know it was horrendous weather, admittedly, but people are prepared to brave the elements to go and see their team, you know? I think the the real frustration, we've spoken about it on A Celtic State of Mind, is the inability of so-called big clubs in Scotland in terms of Scottish football um, are still amateurish in many, many ways. Uh, I'm not having to dig directly at Hibs because there are far more clubs in Scotland that I think less of than Hibs, to be fair, JP. But I just think there is this inability not to cash in, but just to maximise their earnings. I mean, I've given a few examples in the past. Um, there is no other football stadium uh, outside the Celtic Park that I've visited more than Easter Road. And last night, Axon was very well represented. I think we had six or seven, maybe even eight, of the Axon team at that game last night. But it's like what you say. I mean, some of the, some of the troops really struggled to get tickets for that game, JP, you know. And um, it's all about... For me, I just think it's a really backwards kind of attitude. But you were talking about some of the most ardent Hibs fans admitting that Celtic were superb in that first half hour. I would argue that it was it was the best 30 minutes of football we've seen from Celtic this season, and then indeed under Ange, obviously, to the point where Hibs fans were actually leaving the ground after the mm. third goal. A few minutes after that, Bukura scored a fourth. Kyogo almost scored a fourth. And at that stage, I'm looking at it thinking, this could be anything. This could be a five or six, nothing, drubbing. What a way to rinse your hoodoo. You know, we were going on almost eight years without a league win mm-hmm. at Easter Road. But what I was more impressed with, okay, Hibs scored their goal, right? And we'll have a wee chat about that and, and um, a couple of wee tweaks that I'm sure Ange will be making as the season goes on in terms of the defence. But at that stage, we didn't panic. We controlled the game. There was a composure. And I just think the game management, which is something that I personally have been critical of Ange in the past um, of with regards to his game management, the game management was spot on. And we completely controlled that. Yeah, and there's a couple of incidents where Hart got us out of jail. But let's be honest, that's what he's there for. You know, he's a goalie. And if, if yeah. Hibs got a chance, to get a chance. And we'll talk about him. We'll give, give him full credit for the two saves in particular that he did make. But I, I was so impressed, and I think that's a huge turning point uh, over the last five games that I've seen, is the game management. I thought up at Putaudry, JP, 
that I'm not going to say we were lucky, but I thought that Aberdeen were far better than Celtic in the second half. Mm-hmm. But we showed a character um, to actually get that winner that day. And it seems to have given us a jag in the arm. And I just think that that composure and that that control that we've shown since then is the type of quality that could actually see us through this season. I'm going to ask you the question, from what you've seen in the last five games, I know it's a long season, um, do you think that we could be challenging for this title? I'm not getting too carried away, JP. I know you know it's only five games, but I think we've seen enough. I think we've seen the two sides of Ange Postecoglou in these last five games. Well, I, th- I certainly think we'll be in the conversation. I don't think I'm not going to sit here, especially on a video that's recorded that can get replayed back and say, "Yeah, we're going to win the league" and all this sort of nonsense. Because I've never really subscribed to being to thinking like that. Because I think that's the kind of thing. That even if you're talking to your friends and off off air and it's not recorded, you know, it, it, it kind of comes back to bite you. Um, and I've, I get so annoyed when I hear and see. Uh, fans of the other team coming on this and comments and oh we're going to do this and we're going to do that and it's just like well you know okay you're going to do that you're going to do that fine um, let's see what happens so let's see what happens you know but Post- Andrew Postecoglou has been ridiculed by the support of the, the club that we're up against to the point that they're willing him to be our model of Pe- Pedro Caixinha Pedro Caetano is an individual. Ange Postecoglou is an individual. It doesn't work like that where you have, where you this is your turn to get this guy or whatever. It's like it's not like that. Plus, Ange Postecoglou has come with a far better pedigree than Pedro Caetano has, and you know I'm I'm seeing a lot more from him as a as a man and and a, and a football manager than I did from Pedro Caetano. Um, simple as that. So I I, I think we'll be. You know, in, in the mix for sure. I mean, we're, we're winning away games uh, that we couldn't win last season, and I've already seen somebody, uh, a Rangers fan, comment and say, "Let's not kid ourselves on. They're not half as bad as they were last season, and we're not uh, anywhere near as good as we were last season." So there's got to be a, a coming together of that gap, and then we'll yeah. see what happens at the other side of it. You know, um, but yeah, I just I guess it will depend on. On injuries and and uh, uh, suspensions and penalty kicks being given <laughs> that might not be penalty kicks. Um, that that's that's going to play a part as well because uh, I, I mean I I still kind of get my head around that last night. I mean, what what was that supposed to have been? I, the only thing is that Bates doesn't complain, and, and I know people will go, oh well, obviously he's not going to complain. He's a former Rangers player, but how in the hell is that a penalty? Like. So Callum goes in and headed it and makes an absolute mess of it. And there's no, to me, there doesn't seem to be any contact with Bates. And and then he goes down and the next thing is a penalty. But what I, the only thing is, if Bates comes out and says, yeah, I tugged him, you just, you can't see it in the, in the, in the camera. If, if he tugs him from behind, you can't see it. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. 
House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. That's the only thing, but I don't know what you're thinking. Well, my view on it is it was an appalling decision. And um, like you say, if there's something that I've not seen yet and somebody can prove me wrong, uh, or if the player comes out and says that he was guilty, then fair enough, I'll hold my hands up. But And I, like yourself, I've seen it numerous times. I was concentrating on Celtic last night, but, you know, when, when Bruni scores a flying header at Ibrox, you know, my, my attention is going to be taken elsewhere. So I was keeping an eye on it, and uh, I've watched it numerous times. And, and from my... Uh, from my perspective, looking at that, observing in, in as balanced a way as I possibly can, it was a it was a shocking decision, an absolutely shocking decision. But I'm going to be talking about um, how that uh, affects Celtic as well in other ways in terms of the actual refereeing uh, over games. Because you know, last night I'm I'm watching Tommy Rogic, you know, roll back the years. JP, it was a vintage display. But he was only in the park for 44 minutes because he got booted off it. And I think that it's been something that has been as prevalent as ever this season. It started off at Tyne Castle and we've seen Halliday having a shockery attack on McGregor. Now, I want people to get involved in the comments here because there's no way, this is just from memory, there's no way that I'm going to have remembered every bad um, tackle. Some, I would even say, have been targeted. So you look at Rogic, that, you know, and you just think, Gogic has gone for him. He That's his game plan. I mean, he got a booking, JP, and yeah, he was on a booking for most of the game. But two or three bad tackles to such a degree that Rogic has to go off injured. McGregor was lucky on match day one against Hearts at Tynecastle. That was an absolutely shocking challenge by Halliday. The other ones I can think of, uh, Fuchs against McCarthy at Celtic Park against Dundee United. Um, terrible tackle. McCarthy comes off. Ah, it comes off at halftime. Um, last night, Gogic against Rogic, Seagrist against Abada. Let's not forget the kick on Abada in that Dundee United game. Everybody just kind of looks on. The, the officials just play on. It's fine. You can kip, kick a Celtic player. Now, Power against Turnbull. Yeah, he's seen red. Uh, I think he's one of the dirtiest players in the Scottish League, Alan Power. Um, and then... And clumsiest, that penalty gave away against Rangers. I mean, I know everybody jokes about, oh, penalty Rangers. That was a penalty on yeah. uh, on Sunday. There's no two ways about it. So you can't, I'm not sitting here as some sort of biased Celtic fan who's not going to call it as I see it. That was a penalty. Last night wasn't a penalty. So, but that, that was a penalty on Sunday. And of course it was power. Of course it was him, you know, no, no discipline, no need to make that tackle uh, in mm. the box like he did. And uh, and yeah, he's cost his team dearly because they lost. They didn't get anything out of that game. As a result, it gave Rangers the momentum, got it back to one each, and then and obviously they got the winner. Um, but yeah, you were saying. Well, he's one of the players, JP. Before I get back onto this list, because it's quite lengthy, <laughs> but he's one of the players that we've seen in Scottish football over the years. He's dirty, the dirty player. Simple as yeah. that. Um, Kane. Let's not forget Kane St. Johnston against. Cameron Carter-Vickers. And um, the only one I can't remember who the target was was Zanata uh, for Wraith Rovers. Two bookings in about six minutes and off he trots. He was sent off. Power was sent off. But the big question for me is, you look at the 
the Porches tackle. That that's the one that's kind of prompted this discussion last night. Yet another one. The Porches tackle on McGregor. McGregor's looking down. He's his shin. Uh, you can see the two big gashes on it. Mm. JP, at what point are we going to end up in a situation like with Karamoko Dembele, who's ended up having to go for surgery, a terrible injury that he's had? You know, we've, we've had other players who have been out for long, long spells. And we, as a club, I think, need to stand up to this because it's not just one or two. You can't just say it's a Robbie the Green, every club's been a fit. I mean, I, that was eight or nine examples there. Mm. And we're only, we're only in October. Uh, so yeah. at what point does it stop? What can the club do to actually take a stand here? Because someone's going to get seriously injured, JP. See, if the club do come out and do anything, they'll just get ridiculed. Every single other club will absolutely go, oh, look at Celtic greeting and all that. You know, every, every, Everybody will say, oh, these decisions happen to all of us. Um, and it's, 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 you know, it's the same set of rules and the same, the same referees for every game. And you could argue that, but you pointed out quite a lot of prominent examples. The McGregor one last night, I watched that back a few times, and uh, I, I'm pretty sure. Like, so the guy that commentates on Hibs TV is a, a friend of mine. I, I've known him for a long, a long time. His name's Cliff Pike. Really good guy. Very good sort of football commentator voice. Um, and uh, I'm pretty sure he last night he said. Yeah, Portis has, has probably been lucky there. He's, he, you know, we, we know he's got that in his game, and it's just like he's gone in reckless. Mm. He's gone in reckless, and he's tried to argue the case with the referee, argue the case with McGregor. McGregor's pulling down his socks and going, "Look what you've just done. There's mm-hmm. the evidence right there. What more do you want? You know, why, why, why have I got a mark on me? I shouldn't have a mark on me. You know, um, I it's the, the, the I mean, I know everyone's going on about the Portis tackle at Ibrox. I've seen that a lot of times. He doesn't touch a rebo, but he goes in. He goes in hard, and and that that area of the park is a bit of a weird place to go in that hard. Mm-hmm. Um, the the rebo rolling about, you know, pretending he was injured. I've got no time for that, you know. But I mean, obviously, that contributed to Portius being uh, sent off. But last night, he was really lucky not to get a red again. You know, I mean, why, why, why wasn't that a straight red? You know, he comes yeah. in reckless. Not in control, and and actually hits McGregor. Actually makes contact. It wasn't as if McGregor's rolling around, going, you know, oh, you nearly got me, but I'll pretend you did. You know, it, it's, it's some that guy needs, you know, to to be to be spoken to and just told to calm down a bit. You know, I know, I know it's hard when you're getting beat, and you're maybe not used to getting beat by by Celtic, obviously, as we well all we know, <laughs> we've not won there for so long, and they'll have been wanting to. To, to cling on to that that record or whatever, but you can't go doing that. You know, it's just I wouldn't want to see it from Celtic players, and I, and it's not nice seeing it from from uh, especially a fellow a, a Scottish player. I mean, Portis has sort of been talked about for internationals mm. uh, you know, on the periphery. I mean, surely, surely the manager um, uh, Steve Clark's not going to want somebody like that involved because that's that's liability part. I mean, you're in a crucial qualifying yep. game and Portis is playing and gets himself sent off like you know what what, what are you going to do then um, so I No you're absolutely right the, the big concern for me is well, we're going to be talking about Ange and the job he's done thus far but the big thing that can can knock you off track is a series of injuries I mean we've already and we are still contending with a series of, of injuries to, to top top players JP I mean James 
Uh, Forrest is still out. Julien's still out. We've just started bringing some of the players back who we'll talk about in Mikey Johnson, etc. Kyogo, uh, after his bad uh, injury that he, he sustained playing for Japan. And that's my concern. You know, you take McGregor out of that team and the Celtic team doesn't function the same way. You take Kyogo out the side, same thing happens. I'll tell you right now, you take Cameron Carter-Vickers out of that Celtic side, mm. then you've got an issue. You take Joe Hart out of that, that's just spine of your team. And if any of them get injured due to one of these reckless tackles, it can actually knock your title challenge right off track, you know? And that's my big concern at the moment, JP, and that's why we're highlighting it. We won the game, we won it well, one of the best performances of the season. But yeah, shocking refereeing and really, really poor play uh, on the part of the players. You mentioned Porteous there. I've seen his name being linked to various clubs. He's one of Hibs' star players. Uh, I've also seen Doig and Nisbet linked with Celtic and others. I tell you what, uh, and I know it was a bad day at the office last night for Hibs, I wouldn't take any of the three of them at Celtic. Mm. Well, the, the, the Doig thing, I remember seeing that he was obviously linked with us and linked with teams down south and there was a figure of four or four to five million being bandied about. But there's been quite a few Hibs fans that I've seen commenting uh, on things and posting about Doig going, if, if we were to get that for him, I think it would be you know pretty a pretty good pretty good business because he's maybe not as good right now or as they thought he was. Um, I saw a little four three four minute video of him at one point, and I thought he had a look at Kieran Tierney about him. Mm. Just just the way that he had that kind of you know stamina and will will to just you know batter up and down the line and make tackles and you know clean tackles as well. Um, so I mean I, I know he was up against it last night look at the whole Hibs team were up against it last night especially the back line because that's quite a, I mean Mikey Johnston we not spoke about him I thought he played really well um, coming into uh, coming into the mix and playing as part of that front three so um, they, they were all up against it last night so I, I don't know if I could judge him on that but I think maybe our, our knee-jerk reaction was to to, to go after the best players in the league, so to speak. And I remember we spoke about that quite a lot last season. We were yeah. thinking, where are we going to get the money from to buy players? And we've ended up with a player in our ranks, Tony Ralston, who is performing at a level that none of us would have thought that he could perform at, you know? I mean, no wonder he put his, his hand to his ear when he when he scored, you know? He scored more goals than um, Ryan Kent I know Ryan Kent's been injured, but Ryan Kent, I think, Hadji and Scott Wright, you know, all their sort of supposed player front forwards or number 10s, whatever you want to call it. Tony Ralston scored more goals than them. So. You've brought him up. you brought him up. So I'm going to lead that. I'm going to use that as a segue into the Tony Ralston section of the show. Um, we will get round to speaking to you about Ange as well. But let's have a look at some of the comments coming in because he's our... You're viewing in your numbers. We're sitting at over a 1,000 uh, live at this moment in time. You've all tuned in in big numbers last night as well, so thank you all for your support. Uh, Paddy Lavery, who is a, a regular Axom viewer, great game last night, and there was me thinking the title race was over. Uh, absolutely. When you said that, I heard it in an Australian accent uh, when you actually said it there. Uh, Jake Ryan comes in to say that we win every game between now and the 2nd of January. And we're going to the Derby knowing a win guarantees us to go first. Well, we can go first on Saturday. If we want to be champions, we have to prove we can win the Derby matches 
You know, that's a, a, an excellent point, JP, because as well as everything else that was going on uh, last season, it was quite clear that they had our number. Rangers had Celtic's number. It's one of these things we're talking about. Um, hoax, you know, certain stadiums that we go to and we don't perform well. Mm. Um, and they, they kind of have a hold over us. And, and the Tony Macaroni has been one of those stadiums. And Easter Road until last night was one of those stadiums. But one fixture that seems to have turned into that, and we need to get our monkey off our back here, is Rangers. Because we've not beaten them for some time now. So I think that's a great point. You know, we are in a, a right good spell at the moment. If we beat Livingston on Saturday, um, prior to Rangers visiting Motherwell on the Sunday, we can go top of the league. That's tremendous. But he's right in what he says, Jake. You know, once it comes down to it, the 2nd of January, is going to be massive. Um, and we need to prove that we can win that game as well. You brought up Tony Ralston. Now, I'm going to have to give Amy kind of a bit of credit here because back in January, when uh, obviously the, we were down to the bare bones of the squad due to the, the issues around the Dubai and isolation, etc., etc., we all know what happened. Tony Ralston gets thrown in. And I remember on the post-match, having the audacity to say that he was my man in the match, JP. I remember that, yeah. And uh, I got loads of stick for it because it was like, there was a maybe a perception he can't possibly be man of the match because he's no good. And I got a lot of stick for it. And anyway, he drops back out the side. One one game, he comes in, it was his first game for Celtic in 18 months, JP. He drops back out the side. And I remember we were talking, you know, after that about who we should bring. And Amy did say, I'd play Tony Ralston. And then Amy got the same uh, deluge of comments coming through. Listen, that's fair enough because... You know, I'm not going to say I told you so. I just thought he played well against Livy. Anyway, he's come in, um, 22 years of age. He's now got that was his 40th appearance last night for Celtic, um, and he's he's made those appearances over a five-year period. Um, so it just shows you how infrequent his appearances have been until this season. Last night was his fourth goal. He likes to score a a, a cracker a goal as well, JP. And I just think that he's performed so well that. Zhiranovic is playing out of position to accommodate him at right back. Yeah. Is he finally shaking off the scapegoat tag, which um, has kind of like, uh, you know, been hanging around Tony Ralston so that like uh, last January there, if I mentioned that he had a good game, no, he can't possibly have a good game because it's Tony Ralston. Is he finally shaking that off? Well, the, the only thing that I ever uh, sort of threw at him was the fact that he, he'd been there so long and you, your question was, why is he not being given an opportunity um, to, to prove him? Like we've gone through this, you know, st- string of right-backs that have come in on loan and uh, disappeared, you know, with, with, you know, very little effect, you know, Moritz Bauer, Jeremy Tolian, there are others. And, you know, ralston has been there or thereabouts the whole time. I know he's been out on loan himself, but when he's gone out on loan to the clubs that he's gone out on loan to, I don't recall ever hearing glowing reports that he was this sort of man of the match figure at uh, Dundee United or St Johnston, I think it was. Um, so you're, you're, you're left thinking, well, if he's not doing it there, how the hell is he going to do it for us? You know, at, at such a bigger level, bigger club, bigger expectation. Um but whatever's going on there, if it's Ange Postagoglu, 
or or what, or if he's just flicked a switch and thought, I've been given another contract, I've been given a, a, a chance to, to do this. I know I'm not the best football player in the world or the best right back in the world, but I'm going to give it everything. And you've got to sort of applaud that mentality because you can you can actually see it shining through on the pitch that the guy doesn't want to get beat and he, and he wants to give everything. He doesn't want to let his side down. He doesn't want to let the manager down. And he doesn't want to let the fans down either because he knows that we're all sitting here going, how are you getting a game here? And to, to be able to have the satisfaction of of proving us wrong, if you like, must be what what a motivation to have. And, and if yeah. that's the motivation that's driving him right now, then, you know, keep it coming because uh, it was so many people last night were like, Ralston, man of the match, Ralston, man of the match, Ralston, man of the match. And this is a venue that we've not won at in the league since 2014. And you're telling me that a Scottish 22-year-old right back who, you know, seemingly was out the door as, as performing to be the man of the match, then got to be really, really happy with that. And I'm happy for him as well because... I've always said, I've said it millions of times to friends on this. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. I switched to Boost Mobile and got a free Samsung Galaxy A23 5G phone. Want to know the best part? Uh, it was free? Nope. The fact that it's on America's largest 5G networks? Nope. It's the ding. Oh, yeah. Love the ding. Right? It's all about the ding. It's the dingarooski, the dingarona, the ring-a-ding-ding. Unleash your power to save with Boost. Get a free Samsung Galaxy A23 5G phone when you switch. Boost Mobile. Unleash your power. And the ding. Limited time offer. New customers only. Available on select networks. 5G not available everywhere. One device per line. Tax excluded. Additional restrictions apply. See your local Boost Mobile store for details. Always love to see Scottish players doing well at Celtic, especially those that have come through our, our academy. Um, there's nothing better. I would love it if all 11 players were Scottish, you know? and Well, maybe 10 in Kyogo, but... Uh, <laughs> Um, but you know, it's it's this it's, it's that's an impossible dream. You know, I mean, that's Lisbon Lions stuff. Um, but you know, we're 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 doing we're doing well at the moment, and and Ralston's a big big part of that. And it, like you say, he's keeping Juranovic out of he's mm-hmm. keeping a Croatian international out of his actual natural position because you can't drop him. He's he's, he's undroppable. <laughs> um, when when would you have thought we would be saying those words? I mean, especially when you contrast it back to January and think that he came in, played the game, played really well, and then got bombed out. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I think there's a an element of perception, obviously, with with a lot of different uh, areas of the game, uh, and opinion, of course, and it becomes easy to have a scapegoat, and a lot of the time, the scapegoat is one of these players that's come through the ranks. And we've seen James A. Forrest getting that kind of treatment as well. JP, I look at Forrest and, and McGregor as being part of a similar uh, era. You know, that they are contempor- contemporaries in terms of their age, uh, there or thereabouts. And then you've got another couple in, in Mikey Johnston and Tony Ralston, both 22, of course. And you just hope that there's another wave coming through, you know, maybe Montgomery, that kind of uh, level. Scott Robertson's looked good when he's when he's come through as well. But when you're looking at Tony Ralston, I always make this point that 
you know, for him to have shown that mental strength to have barely featured, to not be fancied a great deal by virtually every manager that that's managed you. I think Brennan Rogers rated him highly, gave him a, a new and improved deal. Um, but, you know, th- there's been a succession of managers thereafter that didn't really fancy him. But he's come through it. So fair play to him, and I, and I love to see that. Um, and I think that, you know, the big question will be, and it's been raised right now here by Egyptian King, about his new contract. Because, of course, he was given that one-year deal just to give us a right-back. We had no right-backs at the club. Mm. He's given the one-year deal. Uh, so, you know, he's going to be a free agent at the end of the season. Uh, is it time that we sit him down and talk about, have we started, I think, maybe talking about an improved deal? Yeah, you would think so. You would think so. I, I mean, I'm sure he was as surprised as any of us to be given the deal when he was, you know, to get that extra year. Because, I mean, he was surely one of the players that we sat here saying was going to be for the off. You know, when we when we were sitting here talking about the the rebuild and the mass exodus, Ralston was not one that we expected to get a new contract. Um, we definitely said that, I'm sure. Um, so you'd think that you'd think that talks would have been had. It doesn't look like it doesn't look to me that Anthony Ralston would be making noises to go anywhere. I mean, from that comment, that's a kind of we need to get him signed now, or you know we'll lose him. But you know, why would you want to go anywhere else? I mean, he's got the hunger and desire. Anthony Ralston hasn't won anything as a Celtic player. I know he's been there or thereabouts, but he can't. You said it yourself, he's played 40 games over five years. He's not been a guy that's contributed throughout a season or throughout a cup campaign that can legitimately put his hands on that trophy, lift it up and go, I'm a massive part of this. And that is the th- that's the hunger that was missing last season mm-hmm. because all those guys had done it so much. And, you know, obviously there's loads of other factors as well, but that that I said it, at the time, I said, I think the players are, are just bored and sick of winning. And, you know, having guys... I know Tom Rogic has obviously been part of that, but not as much, really. Tom Rogic hasn't been, you know, the mainstay in a Celtic side and played through it an entire season and had that same level of satisfaction. He's not done a Callum McGregor and played, like, what seems like about 100 games in a season. Um and Tony Ralston hasn't had that, and that hunger is surely what's driving him on to 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 be to be a guy that puts his hand in a trophy and goes, "I'm not just in a tracky here with a medal, you know, and you know my my shorts are dirty, and I've got my hands in the cup because yeah. I deserve to be here." Yeah, like Marvin Comper springs to mind, oh, going, up, going up to get his medals. Yeah. Um, the interesting thing is, uh, obviously doing these bulletins so often, JP, is uh, the notes are there. So I had a, a quick look at where we were when we were um, in the last transfer window and the amount of right-backs that we were linked with was frightening. So I think that tells its own story. I mean, mm. uh, George Baldock uh, was one of them who was mentioned, Nathan Byrne at Derby at the time, uh, Aurelio Buta another right back, and uh, Jan Kuto, you'll remember as well. We did finally get Juranovic in the door, but as you say, you know, Tony Ralston's playing so well. Talking about um, play acting, what was Juranovic all about last night? I mean, yeah, there was a bit of contact on his eye, but, you know, he sponged it. I have to to be honest, uh, (laughs) I was uh, was working a show last night and I had had the game on uh, Hibs pay-per-view uh, with Dougie Donnelly and John Hughes, John Hughes constantly referring to Hibs as we, which was quite strange because I always I know he's a Hibs fan from 
from uh, youth, but I, I always associate him with Celtic. I mean, maybe that's just because I grew up at a time when he was centre half, go against Rangers and all that. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. Great, great guy. Um, but yeah, I, I watched him Hibs pay per view. So I was, I was. There was moments in the second half that I was and the first half where I was dipping in and out. So I didn't have my full concentration on the game. So I, I have to plead ignorance on the Juranovic thing. I don't know what happened. Well, I mean, there was contact with his left eye, I think, with some of his hands. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, he just he made such a meal of it, you know. And, and the reason I brought it up is because you said you don't like to see it. And I, I, I was a wee bit embarrassed for him last night. Um, I think maybe an eyelash went in his eyeball or something like that, JP, and it upset him somewhat. Um, but the other player that you mentioned, Mikey Johnson, I was thinking, you know, he was coming back in. There was a few cameo appearances. He was looking really sharp again. Uh, and the substitute appearances that he made. Uh, and, you know, I think it was fairly bold that uh, Ange Postacoglu decided that perhaps Abada's gone a wee bit quiet and Johnson's come in and looked pretty uh, lively and he gets his first start of the season. What, what did you make his performance last night? Uh, my friend Chris was texting me about that and he said, you know, it, it kind of felt like maybe Mikey Johnson's come back and bulked up. He looks stronger. Um, and it could be that this is his uh, Ryan Christie moment. That's what that's what Chris said to me. You know, like this Ryan Christie moment at Murrayfield where he kind of gets an opportunity and grasps it. Not, and I suppose, not through injury, more through form, really. Because I mean, a badass form has dipped, but the guy's only he's just what turned twenty. So you know, and he's still ad- probably adapting to life in Glasgow, and, and there's no way, you know, just because a badass put in some. Uh, questionable crosses and games, and not not scored for a bit. I'm not going to write a bad offer in like that, but maybe he just needs to sort of get his head down and work a bit harder, and and know that he's got a challenge. Because if you, I mean, he was nailed on first name in the team sheet, you know, and you know to su- suddenly come from a different country, different uh, environment, and then be like 19 as he was at the time, and be like your first choice in the Celtic team. That might allow your head to be to 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 think. Oh well, I'm comfortable here. I've got no reason to worry. You know, I'm always good. You know, got a good looking girlfriend. Probably got a great flat. You know, life's suddenly gone like that. But then you need to still keep doing the business on the pitch. And so to have a bit of a a volley up the rear is no bad thing for somebody at that age. And you know, Mikey Johnston looks like he's worked hard. And you know, we'll hopefully take this opportunity to to kick on, and then make it his jersey to lose. And then Abada's got a he's got a target to aim for to say like, "Well, I won that jersey back, and I yeah. need to work harder to get it back." And that's surely what football and squads is all about. So you don't get comfortable, you don't rest in your laurels. Um, and you know, again, Mickey Johnson, Scottish player, threatened to be good for a long, long time. There's the the sort of famous the new win thing where he tells him AF off as he's getting as he's walking off injured. Mm-hmm. You know you don't want that to be all you associate Mikey Johnson with. You know because right now that is what quite a lot of people go to in their heads when they think of him. There's not really been any big moments from Mikey Johnson in games, and I know that he was thrown to the the, the wolves a little bit or the lions uh, at Ibrox when he was played up front. Lions? Um, <laughs> there's no Lions dead or is they? Um, and he was thrown to the rules with that and I felt sorry for him because he's never a striker. He's never a 
a forward in a million years. You know, that that's not his game. Um, so it was unfortunate for him in that respect. But you know, we'll see we'll see what happens with him now that he's playing in this system, playing in a system with a a, a Portuguese wonder kid and mm. a Japanese established international. You know, it's this, this, the quality has gone, you know, pretty pretty high there um, for him to play alongside. So excited to see him on the big pitch on Saturday against Livingston and the team talk surely for Saturday is just play them that game at Ammonvale and and say right do everything today that you didn't do in that game and I, I would I would hope that we you know we see the rip roaring uh, free scoring and never roaring Celtic so uh, against against Livingston because I was at that game at Ammonvale and it's still sticking in my throat that we left there with nothing mm-hmm. against you know, come on, no disrespect, but we should, that team, we saw it last night, should never have been getting beat at Livingston. And I know there was big question marks raised over everything after that game. You know, there was panic buttons being pressed left, right and centre. The other side of the city was rejoicing and thinking the league was theirs and everything else. But, you know, I, I, I didn't press the panic button, but I certainly was, you know, concerned at the fact that it was another game at Livingston that we hadn't won. So, I'd like to um, reverse that on Saturday, hopefully, and uh, inflict some pain on them for a change. Oh, definitely. Now, the thing with, with Mikey Johnson, you mentioned the you know getting thrown up at, at Ibrox up front, and I don't know how damaging it was, but you know he, he was kind of the scapegoat after that. I do recall, and um, there, there's two kind of decisions to be made. I think I think he was at a bit of a crossroads, Mikey Johnson, because you can go down that route. I think that Lewis Morgan, when he was at Celtic, went down whereby, you know, in terms of his physicality, he, he didn't seem to to change in any way, shape or form. And, and his Celtic career ultimately ended. And he's doing really well over in the MLS, etc. And that's great. But the other option is you do the Ryan Christie, whereby you have that um, motivation to complete. I mean, Christie transformed his physical uh, presence and I think that I was talking to someone uh, pretty close with the club at the time. They were saying that, you know, you put some like one and a half stone in, uh, weight on in that period. And quite clearly, it was all on muscle, JP. And, and obviously, there was that decision made that if you wanted to up his game, if you wanted to take that next step to the next level, physically, you had to improve. And he did. I don't think Lewis Morgan improved and he didn't have a future at Celtic. I hope that Mikey Johnson has a future at Celtic. Um, I do have this fear that this is his last kind of chance saloon this season, but he seems to be grabbing it, and I'm glad that he is. It also means that, you know, for for many seasons, we have either had a couple of good wingers, uh, one on each side, but we've never really had that competition. I think we had it for a wee while when Paddy Roberts came in and he was pushing James A. Forrest. And, and, and what we've got now is we've got a situation where, well, Yota can play left or right, as can Abada. You've got James A. Forrest, you've got Mikey Johnson, you've also got Dembele when he gets back, and I'm not sure if he'll be back this season, to be fair. But you've yeah. got that competition, and that, that that is brilliant to have. That's a great uh, luxury for a manager to have. Don't get me wrong, I wasn't really having a massive go at, at Juranovic. Tony McCann comes in to stand up for a situation. <laughs> and that, that's fair enough, that's fair enough. It was just, you know, JP was telling me that he doesn't like seeing players making the most of it, and I thought... Chiranovich was. Maybe he's got a really sore eye this morning. Sorry, Joseph. I really do apologise. He, he hits a mean penalty kick. He hits a mean penalty kick. Um, this is all around 
Ange Postacoglu. I was seeing the two sides of Angie Celtic. When he walked in, um, he walked into a fractured squad following a disastrous season, JP, and a season that we followed blow by blow. Um, we as a club failed to bring in enough players. So we've gone into the Michelin game underprepared, you know, personnel-wise. Uh, we then moved into an injury crisis, which was not of his making. It's just one of these things. And we had half a dozen, seven, eight players sometimes uh, important players who were playing in the first team, all injured. We lost three of our top players in Chris Iyer, Edward and Ryan Christie. And you looked at that first quarter of fixtures and we had a run of away fixtures that, you know, took in Tynecastle, Ibrox, the Tony Macaroni Stadium, Pataudry, Fur Park, Easter Road. So when you look at that whole scenario, the, the set of circumstances, a man comes in who has got no knowledge, and not no knowledge, no experience of the Scottish game, very little experience managing in Europe. Yeah, after the first quarter, we're going into Saturday's game, sitting second, and if we win, albeit it might only be for 24 hours, we'll be at the top of that league. When you think about uh, everything that he's had to overcome, JP, and there's been criticism on Axon. Yeah, there has been. I mean, he's not done everything 100% correct because obviously we were sitting at one point having lost half our league games. Did you expect us to be in this position so early on under Ange? Uh, well, no would be my initial answer. But there was something about him early on that made me think that he knew what he was doing, you know, and he had an idea of what to do. And obviously he heard the, so much stuff about him and what he'd done from various journalists based in Japan um, Australian, you know, Jared from uh, Celts Down Under had talked about him and, you know, had a fairly detailed knowledge of him from uh, from from watching his career. Obviously, he's going to be interested in a in a successful Australian coach who's coached his national side. Um, so I'd listened to all that and I kind of thought that, you know, there's a chance that he can, you know, not turn water into wine, but certainly do something with the cards that he's been dealt. And, he's doing something with those cards that maybe other people couldn't have done and I include Eddie Howe in that and I include quite a lot of the other names that were probably, you know, guys like, I mean, God forbid, I love him, but Roy Keane, you know, where where would Celtic be right now if Roy Keane was the manager? I, I don't know. I, I don't know if we'd be in this situation. Uh, I don't know if the players would have responded to him in the way that they've responded to Ange Postacoglu. Um, that's obviously speculation on my part. I don't know that for a fact, but Roy Keane is still sitting in a TV studio. He's not in a dugout. So, you know, I mean, if he was that good a manager or coach, he would be in demand and he would be doing a job, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and Eddie Howe is still without a job. So, as the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. And Postacoglu for having the, the balls to take this on. Because let's face it, we all sat here at the start of the season going, this is an absolute, you know, not a car crash, but I mean, it was, it was, it was all over the place. It was just so mm. destroyed. And in the midst of that, he's lost... The CEO of the of the club, who he sat next to at the fan presser, and Dominic Mackay, you know, 
extolled the virtues of, of Ange Postacoglu and uh, sort of saying, look, this is a guy I wanted to come in and I'm so happy he's here and I'm really confident that he's going to deliver success. And now he's gone. So you could forgive him for feeling a little bit kind of out on his own. He's obviously not got his own coaching staff in as well. Uh, I, I, I also said I would, was quite happy for anybody to stick about and be part of Celtic as long as it was Ange Postacoglu's call. I just yeah. said that so many times that I didn't want this kind of, you know, disjointed, fractured, uh, you know, set up where you were not everybody's singing from the same hymn sheet because that that genuinely and generally doesn't lead to success. So if he's galvanised the people that were there that were, you know, heads down after last season and, you know, everybody thought that we were a million miles away from doing anything. We're in the Europa League. Yes, we've been beaten twice. Yes, we got horsed at home off Leverkusen. Of course, there's a gulf still between us and, you know, top, top teams. They're a top team in the Bundesliga. Uh, you see how strong that league is, that Bayern Munich cuffed Leverkusen and then Bayern Munich got beat off. Was it Munchen Gladbach the other night? They got... So, I mean, they're... Every team in that league can take goals off each other. Like yeah, that. It's, it's frightening. So we are a wee bit away in Europe, but we're there. And the fact that we actually got there in the first place is a huge achievement. And that was his first big box that he ticked. And now he's got through one of the most difficult run of fixtures. I mean, the Amonville one is an anomaly. You know, okay, there was a lot of injuries at that time, but I still think we should have come away with at least a, a point in that game. And, and that that kind of is the one the one out of all the away games that I'm like, how did that not happen? The the Hearts game came too soon, the Rangers game could have gone either way. We we obviously had our chances in that game. We, we weren't embarrassed, and he, he he clawed a bit of respect back from the drubbing that we got there in mm-hmm. whatever month it was, March or April. Um. So yeah, I mean, I, I I'm I'm as as a Celtic season ticket holder, uh, as a, a fan of. 33 years I I am sitting here you know very optimistic about you know what's happening at the club right now uh, on 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 the on the field above that that's a little bit more that's a different conversation but you know like I said last week what Ange Postecoglou is doing in the pitch is deflecting away from all of this stuff above but they 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 better they better sort that out you know when they've got the opportunity I mean maybe mid season's not the right time but you know, the structure and everything has to be uh, looked at. You know, at the at the appropriate time. I think. I think so. I mean, when you were talking there, I thought back to what you were saying last week. He has been such uh, an ambassador for all these guys sitting in the boardroom. In that, he's taking the heat off them in a big, big way. That the the light is shining on the park at the moment because of the the way that he's been able to galvanise the side, pull the side together, yet um, deploy his philosophy and his style as well. Um, I always think back to conversations I had with Jim Moore when I first met Jim, and we were talking about the Save Our Celts uh, movement that he, he was a part of. Yeah. Well, it must have been about three years ago, eh? It was August 2018, yeah. Aye, and it was a good day. You were wearing a very smart Celtic away strip, by the way. And uh, Jim Orr spoke about the fact that it was difficult sometimes to to maintain the momentum. You would get a wee bit of momentum going, and then Celtic would win a game 
or get to a cup final or maybe sign a player or or change a manager. And a lot of the fans' focus back then would, would go back on the team and mm-hmm. it would stay away from the boardroom. And I can see it. It's human nature, absolutely. I mean, nobody, I think, falls in love with football so that we can sit and talk for hours and hours in end about the board. You know, nobody does that. It's what just, about the structure of the club and aye, all that? It's a, it's a byproduct, isn't it? I mean, we want to talk about the football. Mm-hmm. Um, but because of all these decisions that were being made incorrectly over a period of time, um, it, it shone a light on the boardroom last season. Uh, and for anybody who was ahead of the game, maybe even before last season, I know that Kevin Graham used to get a lot of stick for going on about the board when we were winning trebles. But, you know, it came home to roost eventually. And we're not going to labour it today, but, you know, if changes don't happen behind the scenes, obviously, it, it will be a topic of conversation on the broadcast going forward. And I think that John comes in. John Duncan, welcome back, John. You're a long-time viewer of Axom and you're watching it on YouTube. Ange walked into a broken club and it's on the mend. I, I can see that on the park. I think that some of the big issues still exist. Um, you know, the Celtic Trust, I, th- I think, uh, you know, they worked hard to get a couple of resolutions um, heard at the earlier than normal AGM. And I think that uh, these questions have to continue to be asked, and the, the drum continues to, to be banged as well. Um, a wee musical reference, she bangs the drums here. Let's talk about music just for a moment, because I know that a lot of people love it on the Thursday Bulletin, but Mogwai, a band that I've loved for years, a band that you have a long association with, won a very special award for their latest album, JP. Tell us all about it. I've got it. I'll, have it here. I'll, I'll, I'll plug it. There, there you go. go. Beautiful. Yeah. The uh, records yeah. always are, though. You know what I mean? The records always are beautiful that Mogwai releases. They put a lot of uh, emphasis on the design and the look and, and the aesthetic of it. Yeah, no, I was I was delighted that they won the award. I mean, it was it was uh, it was either surely for me it was either them or Arab Strap because Arab Strap's records also uh, brilliant. I mean, their first release in what fourteen or fifteen years. Um, but but Mogwai winning it was uh, was great and it was, it was cool to see Stuart genuinely uh, surprised I think at winning it I don't think he was expecting to win it because sometimes with these awards they they don't go for you know the so-called bigger band they'll they'll, they'll go for like a uh, you know an up-and-coming act or a completely left the center act you know so as to be seen to not be obvious or whatever but I mean the Mogwai album um, is really really great and is one of my uh, lockdown albums um sat and listened to it on my own here when you couldn't go and see anybody and, and, and you know, I ended up, I did the Twitter listening party when they when they did that, so, you know, you were getting insight into the, the tracks. Uh, Richie, Richie Sacramento, which is one of the tracks on the record, is uh, their joke name for Ryushi Sakamoto, the um, the composer. <laughs> so, uh, that Richie Sacramento um, is the, the, was the title, That's I found that out through, through the Twitter listening party and and yeah, obviously uh, Celtic fans as well, which is which is it was nice to see a a, a Celtic minded band win win an award. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing them in a couple of weeks. They're playing uh, at the concert hall, sold out um, at the Glasgow concert hall. So looking forward to that. In fact, I actually I actually said to Ray, who manages the band, who's a really good friend of mine, who manages the Twilight Sad as well, and I said to him. See that months ago when we were talking about will live music be back, you know, because mm. they announced the gig 
the November gig in, I don't know, February, March or something like that. And I remember speaking to him at the time saying, do you think that gig will happen? Because we were so unsure as to whether gigs were going to come back, you know, in the, in the, in the near future. And Ray was like, in his usual studious way, was like, oh, yeah, I'm pretty confident they'll happen. And I went, right, if they do happen, here's what we're doing. I said, we're going to stand at the bar just before doors and uh, we're going to get a drink at the bar. And I said, what are you drinking? And he said, oh, I think I'll have a, a Balvenie. And I went, right, OK, I'll have one of them as well. I said, we'll say nothing and we will clink our glasses together as we watch the crowds come in to the gig. And there'll be an unspoken moment. And I said, that's what's happening. And uh, I can't wait for that moment because I genuinely didn't know if that would happen. Like, genuinely. I, I, who, know, who knew if we were going to get live music back at that I time? I know. Because, um, you know, it, se- it seemed a million miles away at that point. So I look forward to that clink of glass with with Ray and then watching Mogwai uh, destroy the concert hall with their, uh, their amazing music. Absolutely. Listen, you enjoy that moment. It's a long time coming for you, JP, and well done to Mogwai. You brought something to my mind um, when you mentioned Arab Strap. Sorry for everybody in the comments who don't want to listen to music. I'll keep this quick. I'll keep it quick. We've, not, we've spoken about Celtic and Celtic only for the whole time. So. And Mogwai are big Celtic fans, so bear with us, you know, humour us for a moment. Um, back in the, I used to do um, music interviews before I, I moved into football writing, and uh, I was interviewing Malcolm Middleton from Arab Strap. And I always try to throw in a few wee questions about football because I always think they go hand in hand, JP, you know. And I just took it for granted that he was a Falkirk fan. So I asked him about John Hughes, who at the time was a Falkirk manager, going back a few years. And I think the way he answered it was he was talking about the director who directed the Breakfast Club, you know, John Hughes. <laughs> <laughs> so I just, I just ran with it. I just ran with it. But I was, asked, I was asking him about Yogi. No, they, neither of them care about football. They, they were definitely <laughs> more into... I was pretty uh, clear, though. Yeah, they were more into the music and, and everything that goes along with it. Um, I, I think Aidan absolutely hates... No, I don't think... I know Aidan hates football, so, um, yeah, it's not it's not likely to be something they would have knowledge on. Especially something a bit more left field, like Yogi, you know what I mean? When we ask him about, like, Ronaldo or... Or like Pele or something like that, they yeah. might have knowledge, but yeah. Hey, listen, if you watch to talk about the Breakfast Club, I'm happy with that. Um, before we go, obviously, we've got a you know a chance to go top of the league on Saturday. Um, I don't think I ever took it for granted when that was the norm, but it will be tremendous. Uh, it will be a tremendous achievement, I think, at this stage for Ange to take the, the team there. And you know, whether or not it lasts for 24 hours is another thing. I don't think Fur Park's an easy place to go and get a result, JP. Mm-hmm. Um, however, when when we go into that game, having watched last night's game, and I don't know what the uh, situation is with Roderick, if, if it's an injury that's going to keep him out, what are you looking at going into the Livy game? Are you going to try and keep that momentum? Are you going to give Mickey Johnson another start? I mean, What kind of changes, if any, would you make? Well, I'm always a big... Uh... I'm a big sort of uh, fan of if a player plays in a winning side, it's going to be quite sort of uh, quite harsh to drop him unless he's got an eye on Fernand Varos is next Thursday, right? I'm mm. pretty sure away. Yeah, it's obviously a big game as well. So I, I would be happy for him to do whatever he wants to do with if he's if he's thinking about the next step. Mm. You know, it's like the game of snooker, isn't it? You know, you're looking about your next move. So whatever he does, 
uh, I would be happy with that. But I, I would probably want to see Mikey Johnson start again, especially on the big pitch. He needs he needs his confidence up. He needs that space on the pitch to to do the damage that we know that he, he he's capable of doing. Um, if Rogic doesn't make it, uh, I certainly wouldn't have a problem with him putting Beaton in there and moving Turnbull up uh, to play the ten. Um, I think that's that's that, that would be a no-brainer, really. I mean, I, I know we've always been critical of Beaton on, on here, but being critical of Beaton as a centre half, not as a midfielder. Mm. Um, uh, so yeah, I would, I would, I would hope to see that. And maybe is it time for James Forrest to be back on the bench? I don't know. I don't know where he is and he what stage he's at in his uh, recovery. But um, to think that we've got someone like James Forrest to come back into the fold into this side. Yeah. To play in that system, I mean, he'll he'll surely love that. I, I would have thought, you know. Oh, I think so. I mean, that that's the thing. We've got a couple of injuries coming back. Um, you know, long term first teamers coming back, and I'm pretty sure there'll be two or three new faces coming in in January as well. JP, mm-hmm. I could talk to you for a lot longer. We never even touched on the performances of the likes of Joe Hart, Cameron Carter, Vickers, who both I thought played particularly well last night. Great goal, great goal by Cameron Carter, Vickers as well. Uh, it was it was it was obviously a training ground move, mm-hmm. and you know, and Cl- Cliff Bike, my friend Cliff Bike, was just like, I'm sure he could try that another uh, ten times, and he wouldn't be able to hit it the same way that he did there. But uh, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> I love Cliff's voice. I mean, it's proper old school football commentary. It's great. Um, it was it was good. It was also good to hear him commentate on a on a losing Hibs team against Celtic because I've heard them commentate uh, on a few. Quite a few winning ones, so uh, yeah. But Cam Carter Vickers, excellent. Joe Hart, brilliant as well. Great, great saves, and you know he's 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 really really bought into Celtic, and you you love to see it. Absolutely. I mean, the, the first save in particular, two minutes after we've taken the lead, mm. he doesn't Huge. save that, and it's a different game. Yeah. I mean, pound for pound, this season, I think it's the best million quid that we've spent. You know, I just think he's been brilliant. I think he's a massive part in the central defensive partnership starting to to take place as well. Because as footballers have said to me in the past when I've spoken to them, it's all about that diamond. It's not just the two centre-halves. Mm-hmm. It's all about the goalie behind them as well. So I think we've, we've kind of got that right. Starfield doesn't like the ball on his left foot. I get that. And he's playing on the left side of the central defence. But I think defensively, he does a lot of good defensive work as well, JP. So I'm pretty confident. And again, when Julian comes back in, he just bolsters it even further. Yeah. Listen, it's been tremendous. Uh, a lot of you have tuned in, so thanks for joining us. Uh, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, LinkedIn. If you're watching on YouTube, get yourself subscribed. We'll be giving away some prizes over the next few days. We've got a Bobby Lennox signed and framed print. We've got an Etive watch, beautiful black watch. It could be for you. It could be for a gift. Um, and there's a third prize, which is a couple of tickets to Jim Orr's play, Bend It Like Bertie, which is taking place through in the Beacon Arts Centre in Greenock. So get subscribing. If you're already subscribed, this is a question that's been asked a few times. You don't have to unsubscribe and then resubscribe. If you're in, you're in. You're in the competition every month. So thanks, everybody, for getting involved. And thank you to JP Mason once again for joining me on A Celtic State of Mind.
As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.